Hey guys, on today's installment of the John Campia Show, we're going to be talking about Quentin Tarantino saying that MCU directors are just hired hands. The new Star Wars show, The Acolyte, is going to be using a mixture of physical sets and the volume. Netflix has launched its ad-supported tier, but with a lot more limitations than some people thought. Daphne Keene from Logan? Yeah, looks like she's going to be in that Star Wars Acolyte show. Black Panther producer says that there's no post credit scene and why in Wakanda Forever. Harry Potter wants new movies coming to WB, but at the same time, WB is saying they may not want any more Fantastic Beast film. That, and the report saying that Black Adam is getting banned in China. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campy Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, The John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming. I'm joined by Robert Meyer Burnett. Right beside him, of course, is Chris Carr. Back there joining you guys in the live chat today is Ray Ora. <laughs> Running the show, of course, is Jonathan Voico. And uh, sitting in a Lou and Kaylee seat, both of them are, do- are out on gigs Hello. today. So Taylor's sitting in that seat over there again today. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for joining us and making the show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. That happens this way. Number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats, and that will be your time to throw in your thoughts, theories, comments, and questions, and we will address those in the second half of the show. So listen, guys, we got a lot to cover here today, so we're going to dive right into it with an off the top, and that one is this. Well, not everybody loves them, because nobody loves any director. No director has everybody love them, but I think it's safe to say, one of the most beloved directors in the business today is Quentin Tarantino. This guy just cranks out fantastic movies. He's got an incredibly unique voice in the scope of Hollywood. He's a Hollywood historian. Like he appreciates and adores and gives a lot of honor to the history of Hollywood, all that kind of stuff, which is why some people got really excited when they whispers came out that he was going to be doing a Star Trek movie. That of course never really came to fruition. Maybe it still will at some time. Maybe it won't, but here's something interesting. So Quentin Tarantino, he was out promoting his new book because he's got a new book out, he's out doing the promo tour, and the topic came up about whether or not he could see himself doing, you know, a uh, some form of an MCU mo- movie, perhaps. And um, he basically shot that down a lot, saying that MCU directors are simply hired hands. He goes, you have to be a hired hand to do those things, MCU movies, Tarantino said of Marvel movies, and I'm not a hired hand. I'm not just looking for a job. <laughs> It's funny. Now he goes on to explain, look, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike big popular popcorn movies like Star Wars. Of course I do. But he's kind of maybe taking a little bit of a swipe at, you know, the, the role of directors in the MCU. Here's the thing. He's not wrong. He, he's, I mean, to a degree, to a degree, he's not wrong. Look, we've talked for a long time about the fact that in Marvel and in the MCU, you know, whereas everybody always complains, the studio shouldn't interfere. The director is the artistic genius and, and the director should. Well, guess what? The most successful franchise of all time, the MCU, is not director run. 
and it's the most studio interference studio there is. There is no other studio that has more studio interference than MCU and Marvel because Kevin Feige, make no mistake, while it is getting too big for him to have his hands on every little thing going on, but Kevin Feige's the guy in charge and he will dictate what the story direction and all that kind of stuff is and anything big or wild you want to do in your movie as a director, well, that's got to go by Kevin Feige. And Kevin Feige has to green light it or black light it or whatever until it goes. So to a degree, Quentin Tarantino's not wrong because coming in to do an MCU film, you have to understand if you're a director that you are probably going to have a little bit less leeway than you would say doing a standard universal film or doing a standard Lionsgate film or a standard Paramount film or, or something along those lines, right? You're going to have to understand that ultimately this is Kevin Feige's movie and you are here to just execute it. You're there to execute it. And that in and of itself is no small feat to, to go in and take these incredibly lofty concepts, these huge epic stories and execute it is by itself. It's, it takes a big, huge effort. And by the way, I think, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation with the MCU. Like, I think there are going to be situations and exceptions. I think Ryan Coogler talked a lot about the fact that even though Feige set up for him in the initial Black Panther movie certain parameters, like you can't do this and this, we need to make sure you have this and this, blah, blah, blah. But go ahead and do what you want to do within those parameters. And he said he was able to bring a lot of himself to it. So I'm sure certain directors have a little bit more leeway than others. So while it comes across a little harsh, when you hear Quentin Tarantino say that MCU directors are just hired hands, it does come across a bit harsh, but but honestly, he's kind of accurate when he's saying it because it's a different kind of level. Anyway, Rob, we've actually talked about this before, yeah. about you know the differences between directing a regular film or an MCU film. How do you interpret Tarantino's comments? Well, I think one, he's correct, but two, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the MCU is a singular, it's sort of unique in Holly, the annals of Hollywood history in that it's sort of a hybridization of television and theatrical films. And the thing is, there are auteurist visions within the MCU. James Gunn is a writer-director. Ryan Coogler is a writer-director. And, of course, the MCU, like a TV show, the executive producer, they have, a, they have a, an overarching plot line. You know, they have a, a, a big storyline that they're managing – amongst all the directors, all the MCU movies. But like you just pointed out, within that paradigm, you know, you've got action scenes that are pre-designed. You have characters that are pre-designed. Within that paradigm, you do have a lot of leeway because the directors, it's not like somebody's sitting behind them picking shots, even though you could say that a lot of their action scenes are pre-visualized by necessity and they lean into those, which I think is fine. But you can't tell me that Guardians of the Galaxy isn't a James Gunn movie. You yeah. can recognize the fact it absolutely is. And there are, and and by the way, because he's good at working within that paradigm. And I would say that when you're working for the MCU, there is a there are creative challenges, but there's also, you know, I mean, Marvel leaned into his vision for those characters. They didn't tell him who to cast necessarily, even though the casting director who works for Marvel, Sarah, what's her name? I forget. Sarah Finn. Sarah, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And all of the people that Marvel has really do their jobs. And if you choose to work, I think, in their paradigm, you can end up being a Ryan Coogler or being a James Gunn or being Joss Whedon with the Avengers movies or being Jon Favreau with Iron Man 1. There are distinct directorial films. I would call them auteurist visions within the paradigm. I think it's a great. The Guardians example is a great one that that shows that, yeah. 
the MCU is pretty stringent on what they say can and can't happen. But within that, there is still a lot of room to give your own artistic voice. For somebody like Quentin Tarantino, though, Rob, who is accustomed to being able to write his own movies, yeah. direct his own movies with no notes from the studio and do whatever yeah. you want to do. You could see even that, though, would look pretty <laughs> confining. To uh, I, no, sure. I, I 100%. I mean, and he creates his own scenario. Yeah. Like Quentin Tarantino would come in and go, you know, the MCU is great, but I'm going to change the universe. <laughs> you know, and that's something. And by the way, we would have it no other way. Yes. I mean, can you imagine somebody trying to constrain like, uh, Quentin, um, you can't do that at the end of Inglorious Bastards because that didn't really happen. Right. We have to skew close to the historical facts. I mean, that would bull that would the Quentin using different colors of blood in Kill Bill to to both honor both the Japanese and the Chinese film industries because they have different mixtures of blood. Somebody would come along and say, uh, no, you just need one kind of blood because it's more expensive to have more. No, he gets to do whatever the heck he wants. Chris, you hear uh, Tarantino's comments here. What do you take away from them? I mean, that's what everyone in this industry is, is a hired hand, ultimately, you know? Mm. Um, and I understand his perspective on this, right? Because he is an auteur. I also think there's a better way to say that because it, it does feel like it's meant to be an insult or a slight to other people who are doing it. Maybe that wasn't what he was meant to say. You know, Quentin Tarantino's not known for being like a beat around the bush, cuddly kind of guy, right? <laughs> He's pretty direct about his feelings and thoughts. But I, I just think, you know, and, and I can only come from this from, as, a, as a writer and a, an actor is, you know, I'm, I'm always a hired hand. And it usually is, how am I going to play in this sandbox? Now, for a director, I'm sure that is a very, very different ideology because you do get to have more of your unique vision brought to a project. But, I mean, then, yeah, don't, don't play in the sandbox. That's fine. You can go build your own. You don't have to poo-poo on somebody else's, though. And, you know, the difference is, is that Quentin creates the sandbox. Yes. Yeah, whereas, I mean, yeah, exactly. He makes yeah. his own sandbox, whereas the MCU sandbox already exists, and you get to go look at it and walk around and go, I would like to work within this sandbox. Yeah, it's a different thing. So, guys, question is for you. What do you think about Quentin Tarantino's comments? I don't necessarily think he's wrong, although we could have put it a little bit nicer. But still, whatever you guys think about them, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show and you'd like to hear your sultry voice on our show, go ahead and call the hotline number anytime at 951-268-4259. Call it on up, leave your voice message, and maybe you'll hear it on the show. So, Jonathan, what is our hotline question today? Hey, John and crew, it's Brandon from Central Valley. Just saw pictures from the Acolyte set. They say they're going to use the volume technology and large set. What are your guys' thoughts? Thanks. All right, Brandon. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And, you know, going back a couple of years now to that big Disney Investor Day call that was bigger than any Comic-Con or anything like yeah. that as far as dropping bombs. I mean, they just unloaded at that thing. It was incredible. But with all of the Star Wars announcements... None of them excited me quite as much as the Acolyte. The idea of looking at it from the dark side and just the concept of it, I thought was fabulous. Now that was years ago and we're only now starting to get the ball rolling. And we're going to be talking about the Acolyte and some of its casting a little bit later as well. But one of the really interesting things is as we've seen the evolution of Disney Plus, we saw them coming out of the gate with the Mandalorian with really leaning into the volume. Like, Practically the whole show was shot on the volume, right? All that kind of stuff. And then, you know, as we got into Book of Boba Fett and some other things, the audience started going, well, does it always have to be? 
be the volume? Like, does everything have to be a giant barren dune of sand in the background and a sunset? Is that what it always has to be? Then we saw things like House of the Dragon utilize practical sets, but use some of the volume and use it real well. Yeah. Then we saw Disney Plus kind of slingshot all the way to the other extreme where you have probably the best Star Wars show of all time in Andor right now where they don't use the volume at all. This all practical sets. And now we're hearing about the Acolyte, and it sounds like they are finding the really nice middle ground on this. Now, I don't know if you've got the link there, Jonathan, but yes, yeah, some pictures came out uh, of the, you know, the set from the Acolyte, and they have been building physical sets. And they're actually, you can see in the pictures that they're actually fully constructed. Uh, everything from like, it looks like building fronts and some city, city, uh, hallways and you know walkways and stuff like that yeah there we go and actually it looks a little bit like one of my dungeons and dragons maps but <laughs> so they're actually in the process of building actual physical sets and to utilize you know the answer isn't all volume or no volume if you really want to use your technology well do a little bit of mix of both and it sounds like this is the approach they're taking i get excited when i see these sorts of sets being put up anyway rob you hear about this what do you take away from it well, you know, like any technology for filmmaking, it's how you use it. You know, one of the things we saw in House of the Dragon was in the final episode, the 10th episode, there was that great behind-the-scenes piece about when they go to Storm's End, and you see that the the building, the the throne room set, the throne was actually where Baratheon was sitting was a, a, a real throne. But then in the background, the walls of that throne room set were all volume, the volume LED right. screens. And rather than doing green screen set extensions, it's all in camera and live, which cuts down on your post cost and things like that. I mean, the volume stages are are expensive. But what's I thought what was really interesting about that is it's the way the tools are used. If it mm. becomes a crutch, I feel that it became a crutch, especially shooting at Manhattan Beach Studios. It's not like they were going on location anywhere. Whereas Game of Thrones and and um, Andor, because they're shooting them in Europe there's more opportunity to utilize actual practical locations. And I think that for something like Star Wars, it's always better if it's a mix. And they just have to figure out, it all comes in pre-production, how are you going to use these things? And I think, I think that they've shown that Star Wars works better. It just looks better. Andor is a fantastic looking show. Oh, there's a dam over there. Let's go shoot on that dam. Yeah. And we can put in post, we can put a turbo laser in front of it or, you know, make it. And that's what, that's the best way for, at least for Star Wars, because it, it originated. I mean, part of the, it just, it looks great when it's on a set. Yeah. And you can tell. And there, I mean, we all know there are certain things that it's just not practical to do practical. Right. 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 You know that, but it's about finding that balance and finding that line. Chris, mm -hmm. you hear about Acolyte. I mean, from what we heard, shooting actually started just a couple of days ago. They're building physical sets, but they're going to use the volume. Is this the right approach to them, or should they kind of lean more into the technology side? Oh, no, I think this is great. Like you were saying, like you do what you could practically do. If you're doing a scene in space that maybe isn't super feasible to get everybody up Unless there. Unless you're Tom Cruise. You know, yeah. Then you, go for it, Tom. <laughs> yeah, get on board in the Star in Wars space. universe. But this makes a lot of sense to me. All you have to do, honestly, is look at Galaxy's Edge. That is such an immersive experience wow, yeah, at Disneyland yeah. that you feel like you're on another planet. And to be able to create that in a you know theme park setting, 
you can absolutely do that on a movie set, right? So using those volume stages, like Rob's point there, like they did on House of the Dragon, they did that beautifully. They used the space well. It still had depth and everything. You didn't feel like you were closed in and on a weird set like Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of did sometimes. But the more you can have these practical environments, the more we're going to buy into it. And your performers are going to buy into it too. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's like a good D&D campaign, right? If you cannot immerse yourself into that environment and story, you're not buying into the narrative. And so all of your players need to buy into that narrative. So your audience does too. And I remember one of the things that you McGregor said in talking about the Obi-Wan series is that like when they were standing actually in a physical set, he talked about the fact that you're, you're able to get more out of yourself as an actor mm-hmm. when you can actually see and feel. So absolutely the volume green screen, 100% when that's what's needed. Yes. But otherwise you get some real big benefits from going physical. Anyway, guys. What do you think about this? It sounds like the Acolyte and maybe the Disney Plus shows overall are going to learning how to kind of balance using the volume instead of just 100% leaning on them like they have in some shows. What do you think about that approach? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to move into our main topics here. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second and thank one of the sponsors of today's show. They're one of our original sponsors, actually. The wonderful folks over at Stamps.com. We want to thank a sponsor of today's episode, Stamps.com. Guys, it happens every holiday season. No matter how prepared we think we are for the season, it always turns out we're nowhere near as prepared as we thought we were, especially with our shipping. And right about now, seasonal excitement, or dread as the case may be, is really starting to settle in, especially for small businesses. Slaying through traffic to the post office? Inboxes more like a blizzard than a winter wonderland? Rushing to send cards and gifts to your loyal clients? The good news is it's not too late to get your holiday mailing and shipping under control with Stamps.com. Sign up now and you'll be printing your own postage in minutes. Because Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all of your shipping and mailing needs. Get access to the United States Postal Service and UPS services that you need to run your business right from your computer. Up to 86% off. So this holiday season, trade late nights for silent nights and get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Campia for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code Campia. And thank you to our friends at stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, now it's time for us to get into our main topics. And how do we select our main topics? Well, that's where you guys come in because you come up with our main topics. See, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we absolutely need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. Now, before we get into the first topic, I, I can't contain it. I got to tell people. I got to tell them the news. I got to tell them the news. So starting next Friday, there's going to be a new segment on The John Campia Show. And it, it's every once in a while you come up with an idea that you just know is going to change the world. It's going to change the world. And I'm very, this, is, this is one of those ideas. Because next Friday... Yeah, everybody knows that the most pop culturally influential movie of the last number of years is Morbius. So, and we decided, you know, we did a Morbius review, but that's not enough. So starting this coming Friday, next week, a week today, we are going to be having every Friday, the Morbius Minute, where Ray Ora, 
is going to be reviewing each minute of Morbius. So next week, we will start with minute one. Minute one of Morbius. Uh, the following week will be minute two. And we will have, what, 120 of these? Something like these? The Morbius Minute starts on an Friday. extensive look. With Ray wow. or an extensive look in depth. Through the eyes of Ray Orr. Who hasn't been able to get through to the eyes of who can't keep theirs open for this movie. Morbius. That's right. So Friday, Morbius Minute. Stay tuned, guys. Let your friends know. Let your family know. This is a generational kind of thing. So the My world, mom can't wait. I told her. I, everybody's excited about it. I tell you what, Morbius <laughs> well, Minute. Well, it will be generational because it's going to take a generation to get through. Yeah, it is. It's going to take some time to 2024. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be going through the Morbius Minute. Anyway, guys, uh, with that down, uh, let's get into these main topics, shall we? Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic is from Peter McCluskey. Hey, John and crew, big fan of you since Jedi Council days and love what you've done with your own channel. Thank you. Such a great show now with the whole team adding so much. Jeff Snyder has just indicated that he's heard that Daphne Keene is in talks for The Acolyte. I'm a big fan of the actress in Logan and his dark materials, even if the show is a little lackluster and would be thrilled if she was playing a big part in the show. I'd also heard, though, that the Acolyte has already begun shooting. Seems late in the day to still be in talks with potential new cast members, especially someone of her caliber you'd expect would have a significant role. What do you guys think? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Peter. Well, let me start with that last part. The, an actress of her caliber. I like Daphne Keene very much. She's very good, but l- let's let's not pretend like she has Kate Blanchett's resume. <laughs> Right. She, she's done a couple of things. She's done a couple of things really well. And we all like her. But it's not like, again, it's not like she's Kate Blanchett. Like, well, if you're bringing an actress of her caliber on, it has to be a big, elaborate role. It, it's, she's, she's done two things people can name. But I really like her and I'm excited for it. But yeah, from what I've heard as well, the Acolyte actually started shooting just a couple of days ago. And the reality is that when we hear about a cast, a piece of casting news and whatever, The reality is, just like when I clap my hands right now, by the time you see it, it actually happened about 12 seconds ago because there's a bit of a delay that happens between when something happens here on set and when it actually gets to your screen. About 12-second delay, right? When it comes to casting news, there's a bit of a delay. Like, by the time we hear a piece of casting has happened, the casting itself probably happened two months earlier, three months earlier, whatever. That's not always the case, but it's often the case. So, and also not to mention, you know, these projects, they shoot for a long time. So there may be a character or whatever that doesn't actually start being on set until like episode two or three or four, where they can drag their heels a little bit more before they get somebody in. So look, just because we're hearing about Daphne Keene coming into the Acolyte now does not necessarily mean it's a quick cameo or anything like that. It could very well be a significant role. And uh, I hope it is because I'm really looking forward to see what Daphne Keene can grow into. And this is my most anticipated Star Wars project is the Acolyte. So I'm really stoked about it. So I love what I'm seeing here. Anyway, Chris, we're hearing reports coming out that Daphne Keene is mm-hmm. joining the Acolyte. What do you think about that? I think this would be great news. But we also have to remember that when it comes to things like Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, there are always actors who are in talks. Yeah, that's true. So everyone wants to be in these movies. And when we hear, uh, oh, my gosh, wouldn't it be cool that they want to be in this? Yeah, of course they do. Actors like exposure and money. It's great. We love those <laughs> things. Um, but I would love, love, love to have her on board. Also, television films a little differently at a different pace, too. A lot of times you're working episode to episode. So if she is going to have maybe a 
three episode arc or something, it would make sense if she's being brought in later in the game. We get right. our core cast to gel and then we bring in Daphne to see how she fits into the overall story and narrative. So I'm super on board. And as far as that timeline goes, that just might be why we're having that little bit of lag there. I got a question for you, mm -hmm. actually, as a voice actress. Yes. Uh, you've done live performance acting as well. Mm -hmm. Do you have you noticed a difference in the time frame of how close to a project starting that you actually get cast in a live action scenario versus in a voice acting scenario. Oh, so yeah. it's like, is it normally like one day before, you know, your recording needs to happen or a month before, like what's the usual time frame there? So for voiceover, for when it's commercials or a new video game or something like that, or excuse me, a dubbed video game, it's pretty quick, right? Where I'm getting that thing as the uh, the product's already been done, right? And I'm just putting my voice over the final layer. So it happens very, very quickly. So like from the day I give you the call and say, mm -hmm. you got the job. Yeah, I'll when probably- are you, When are you in front of a microphone? I'll probably go in three days later. Oh, wow, okay. So and then go record my stuff. Now, if it's a brand new animated project or a video game, that's going to be a much longer thing because we're creating all the animation and everything to go along with it typically, right? right? Especially if we then get into mocap and they have to capture my face and everything. On camera work, commercials, that comes out really, really quickly, right? TV and film, we are so way down the pipeline where it's been years. And then oh, I'm wow. just like, yeah. oh, oh, and you cut my scene. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> I remember Aaron, Aaron Cummings, who will be back on the show in a couple weeks. She's, yeah, she's off. Filming. Uh, what is she shooting right now? Because she's shooting two things right now. I was right going to say, it's not Nancy Drew. It's something no, no, else right she's now. She's shooting Nancy Drew and she's shooting... FBI. Oh, FBI. yes, yes, that, yeah. that FBI show. So, but she'll be back in a couple of weeks. But I remember like when she got cast to be in that Will Smith movie, uh, King Richard, it was... I mean, she literally had to wait a year and a half. Now, that was partially because of COVID. But even then, she got the role, and I think it was a number of weeks before she was supposed to start shooting. And then the day she was supposed to start shooting with Will Smith is the day they shut everything down due to COVID. But uh, so that was a longer wait than normal. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Rob, Daphne Keene, we have been talking about this girl since she exploded <clears throat> on the scene as a little girl. She's not a little girl anymore. Right. Ever since she exploded on the scene with Logan, what do you think about this potential addition to the Acolyte? Well, she's grown up. And uh, she can be a dark Lord of the Sith, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, she kicked ass in Logan. Oh, she, yeah, she was so good in that. But, you know, I think that what you're saying, a lot of people forget, like, an episodic television series would shoot over, like, eight, ep uh, eight days, a regular episode, on a regular TV show. And sometimes actors would get cast the day before they're shooting. But on shows like this, I would imagine that all the scripts, unlike a lot of TV where the writers are just keeping up with the production schedule... I would imagine the Acolyte already had all the scripts written. And they're probably taking longer than eight days to shoot each episode because they're very uh, effects. And God, she looks intimidating right there. Yeah. Like, I don't want to come home and Anne giving me that look. That That's just not a look I want to come home to. I mean, if she's like, if there's eight, how many episodes? Eight episodes or whatever? That's our guess. Let's just say that, let's say she's in episodes six, seven, and eight. They might not be shooting those for two months, three months. So she was cast in a role that she's not even going to do in a quarter of a year. Right. So that's not, I don't think that's unusual, especially for these shows that are much more cinematic and take longer than a regular network episodic show. So it's not, I don't think this is unusual. I think it's great. I can't wait to see her in the role. Yeah, I, I just can't wait to see this show. I still have no idea when it's I can't wait out, either. But I, I've been waiting for it for a couple of years already. All right, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? Logan's Daphne Keene. It sounds like she's going to be joining the new Star Wars show, The Acolyte, which I've been really excited about. Do you like the addition? Do you think she'll do well in it? What type of role do you think she's going to be playing? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys.
With that down, let's move into main topic number two, shall we? Chris, what is our second main topic today? Our second topic comes from Aaron from the UK. Hi, team. Netflix's ad tier subscription service has now come into force, and for people on the lowest tier, they will not be able to watch things such as The Crown, House of Cards, and so on. Is this fair? What are your thoughts? We weren't told about this. Thanks. <laughs> all right, Aaron. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And well, first of all, first of all, to be fair to Netflix, they did tell us about this. Uh, I remember when we covered this story going back a couple months now, that when Netflix launched this ad-supported tier, they did say, they, they said right out in their statement that there are going to be some titles that do not carry over into the ad-supported tier and that they'll work on that over the coming years to try to clear up all the licensing rights so everything will be. But you're not wrong. So the new ad-supported tier of Netflix has launched, and this is a new era. I think it's $7. I think it's $7 by $6.99 or 5 I can't remember exactly what the number is, but it's something about half the price of what having regular Netflix will be. The trade-off, of course, is that you're going to get some ads. And as we found out, there's a lot of people who don't mind that if it means paying a cheaper price for it. However, with the launch... Some people are noticing that maybe it was announced before and maybe they just didn't notice, but they're noticing now that there are a lot of limitations to being on the Netflix ad-supported cheaper tier. This comes to us from the folks at Variety who write the following. Among the shows not available uh, currently with Netflix basic with ads are Arrested Development, House of Cards, Peaky Blinders, New Girl, The Magicians, The Last Kingdom. I love that. The Sinner, Good Girls, The Good Place, and Friday Night Lights. Ooh, Rob, I know that one's going to sting you. Uh, movies that are unavailable on Netflix are things like Skyfall, 28 Days, The Imitation Game, and The Bad Guys. Another limitation with the Netflix basic ad plan is that subscribers do not have the ability to download titles for offline viewing like you do with a regular subscription. Users on the tier are limited to a single stream at a time, as with the Netflix basic tier. According to Netflix, the ad-supported service will run approximately four to five minutes of ads per hour. Another limitation that's not listed here is the fact that if you are on the ad-supported tier for uh, Netflix, you are limited to 720, not even full 1080 HD, and don't even think about 4K, but your stream is going to be limited to 720, which is a limitation in other areas of Netflix as well. So no, off, no downloading for offline viewing, only 720p maximum resolution, number of titles that you can't get, single streaming things. So those things do start to add up. I will say this, though. The four to five minutes per hour is a delightful surprise because if you watch like Hulu with ads, like in a 30-minute show, you're going to get eight minutes in a half hour. They are doing like four to five minutes per full hour. That's two to two and a half minutes per half hour. That's actually way better than most other ad-supported things. So I got to say, while there are also a lot of really you know, almost draconian limitations on this ad-supported plan. The number of ads you got to sit through is surprisingly small. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this. Do you think this sounds fairly limiting? Which limitations stand out to you the most? And do you think this still makes for a good overall deal? I honestly think this isn't that bad if you're not paying the higher tier. And this is where I'm at right now. And maybe I'm going to reevaluate this. But if I want to watch New Girl, I just, you know, yell at Logan and we reenact that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm so glad I almost got you to spit take with that. I was halfway into the sip of my soda. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, my husband is a real life Nick Miller. His photo ID really is just is. a various like collage of Nick Miller moments. He has he a two just, digit credit score. It's the yeah. same, just like Nick. Does he just crack and creak when he stands up? He does. He does. He, when he had the whole bit on the show about like, uh, where it was no one uses minutes anymore or more Nick. Logan turned and looked at me and went, people don't use minutes on their cell phone plans anymore? <laughs> like, so I'm good on that. But I mean, if you want to get those nicer things, then you can get the higher tier. Now, I understand that most people are paying for various streaming services and that all can, you know, get on top of each other. And then you are paying more for cable ultimately, right? And that was the whole thing with cutting the cord is we were saving money and we were only getting what we wanted. Well, now if you want those things, you got to pay a little bit more. Man. I get why they're doing it. Yeah, they bring up the question, is it fair? And I, I would, this is not going to be popular to say, it is fair. Like, hey, I want to pay less than that guy's paying. Okay, you can pay less, but you will get a few less things. I mean, it should be pointed out here, too, that with all those titles that we read and whatever, the vast, vast, vast majority of Netflix's catalog is available to, like, vast majority of the catalog is available to people on the ad-supported plan. The ones, to me, that stand out more limit, limiting are the 720. The 720, to me, is is a rather big one. I don't care all that much about 4K. It'll look blurry. If you have a 4K TV, it's going to look blurry. Mm-hmm. I Literally, I think the, the visual difference between 720 to 1080 is far greater than the visual mm-hmm. difference between 1080 and 4K, even though 4K is technically four times the pixels. But that's the bigger one to me. Anyway, Rob... Which of these limitations are the ones that you think would sting you the most? But what do you think about it overall as a package? Well, definitely the 720 now. But what I find really interesting about this, John, is that shows, it's one thing to have like Netflix's whole economic model for things like SAG is that they don't have advertising. So there's no residuals being paid out. And I'm really curious that if a show originated as a broadcast show like The Good Place, there's probably residuals built in there. And then when they picked it up for streaming, because there are no advertising, there's no advertising, what residuals would kick in. I'm just, it has to be, I'm sure it has to deal with how people are paid out, how contracts are Mm. paid out. And once, if you have a streaming show that was only streaming things, that was buying out talent contracts, you know, it's a one-time payment. When you suddenly make that ads, then it goes back to the broadcast model and all the guilds are going to be like the DGA, the WGA, the SAG. They're going to be like, um, you guys have now changed what you were doing and you've turned your streaming service back into the network model in terms of, in terms of um, revenue. Well, what does that mean in terms of our constituency? Do you have to pay the DGA and SAG and the WGA that? And I'm sure that that's something they got to figure out. And I bet that plays in. Now, I don't know for a fact. But I bet it has something to do with the reason that there are things that are limited on their ad tier, I think. Right. So licensing, the, they got to figure all that stuff out. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a big deal because suddenly you're going to have talent and the guilds and the agencies going, yo, we signed a deal for streaming only. And now you're getting ad revenue. Uh, we get a taste of that. And this is going to be a big deal moving forward. One of the things that's going to protect them, though, is that all the, the streaming 
licensing deals that happen are very short term. Yes. Like, so like you don't see like somebody picked up this show for 15 years. No, they usually pick it up for right. one, two or three year blocks. So they will probably run their course and then set up a new normal. Totally. Uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm just curious to see how it's all going to play out because I'm fascinated about the business of it all. What do you think then, you know, the, the viewer who wrote in is asking like, is it fair? Like, I, for me, I look at it and say, hey, if you want to pay half the price, then there's going to be certain things you got to give up, right? Yeah. 720p, can't download for offline single streaming. Uh, for you, it's the 720p. But when you look at the overall limitations that are coming with it, do you feel that it's still a fair deal? Or do you think maybe they're taking a little bit too much away? No, I think it's absolutely fair. I mean, I was just going through Netflix, Netflix last night looking at things because I've been watching a lot of doc, just documentaries lately. That's that's I'm on a Netflix documentary jag and watching the Great British Bake Show and their new Drink Masters show that's new. I mean, that's what I'm interested in, and they're not limiting that. Yeah. Now, if if, if I would just concentrate, okay, for the next six months, you know, got a little bit more on the house payments or whatever, I'll go a little light on my my. There's a lot to delve into that isn't limited, right? But you don't have four kids in the house, right? Don't have so four with the kids. Stream like you couldn't have you and. One of your kids watching Netflix also in one room and, you know, Elizabeth in another room watching. Right. Like, that's another limitation. No, it's yeah. truly. But that's when you have to sit there and go, OK, well, what, what I think if I had four kids in the house and needed multiple streams, I would definitely pay the, pay the yeah. bucks, I don't want right? to talk to them. Yeah. I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> and so really, I mean, what's interesting is Netflix is making this new paradigm available to people who want it. Now, what everybody wants is now you want to get something for less, something mm -hmm. that you're already getting for less. If you're getting something for less, they're going to take away what you're already getting. So you have to expect that there's going to be limitations. Yeah. I Rob, think the I 720 want money for nothing. <laughs> I want all my and chicks for, for free. Yeah. Say, the 720 is really smart because that's something that will move the needle for someone like me. I don't mind ads. I'm a commercial actor, so I like to see my friends in yeah, them yeah, or yeah. see who got the spot in front of me or go, oh, yay, I'm getting a residual this month. You know, I like to know how I can be part of the commercial landscape. But 720 makes me go, oh, that's going to look a little shitty on my TV. Yeah. I I will say I hope that they add another pay tier where it's it's ad, but it's uh, so this is ad basic. I hope they do ad standard, which at least then gets you 1080 and it's just a, maybe a dollar more than ad basic or something like they can have different tiers of ad, you know, based. They could. Tiers, and that's what I hope they bring up. I mean, OK, like I just subscribe for like three bucks a month um, PBS documentary series so I can watch all the Ken Burns like document. Those are all SD. So that's 480 tops. Oof. That stuff, honestly, it's okay because it's let it's like, you know, just the Well, and you're paying three bucks three, a month. Three yeah. bucks a month. And it's an old, like they didn't they haven't that's trans all they, how they, they haven't transferred it yet. But I'm not gonna watch a new tent pole in 720, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about some of the limitations on the new Netflix ad-supported tier? Some of them are significant, but are they justified considering that you're paying about half the price when everybody else is? Whatever you guys think about it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? Our third topic comes from Kylo Ken. Hi, John and crew. I saw a story on Yahoo's Entertainment News that the pr producer of Black Panther Wakanda Forever said there was going to be an uh, not going to be an end credit stinger at the end of the movie, and that despite the rumors, it never was going to have one. They explained that they didn't feel like an end credit stinger would feel appropriate for this movie. For me, this is kind of disappointing. What do you guys think? Thanks, and as always, bring on the filthy. 
All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Kylo. And of course, the biggest upcoming movie, uh, at least next up, is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Cannot wait six days away till we get to watch it. Going to see it on Thursday. Um, this is going to be an emotional... It's going to be an emotional experience just going to the theater. Like so many of us loved what Chadwick Boseman brought, and it's really going to be kind of a cathartic moment, I think, for not just you know the people who made the movie or Marvel as a whole, but I think for the world. I mean, for the people who love Black Panther and love Chadwick Boseman in the role, it's going to be a real cathartic moment. That's coming up. Now, one of the things that we all look forward to in all the MCU stuff is the post-credit scenes. And now, well, at least what the producer is saying is that there isn't going to be one and why. This comes to us from Yahoo News, who wrote the following. Marvel films often feature an additional scene after the main credits to tease new films or characters for fans, but producer Nate Moore said that the Black Panther sequel is, quote-unquote, different. Uh, This didn't feel like a movie that needed it. Uh, When asked if there were any characters being introduced in a post-credit scene for the film, Moore said, not this time. He explained, the way that this movie is a bit different and the tone of this movie is a bit different and it felt, especially once people see the film, we felt like the ending was so kind of poetic to then go back and say, hey, there's a tag at the end of credits feels a little more disingenuous tonally from what we, what we were doing. And that, of course, comes to us from Yahoo News. All right. So Namor, the producer of Black Panther, is saying there's no characters introduced in the post credits. There's no post credit that we felt that going through this, it would have felt inappropriate for a big post-credit scene. Now, I get that, but he is also playing a little bit of semantics because I talked to several people and there is a mid-credit scene in this movie. Now, look, look, to me, once the credits for a movie start, any scenes you throw in once the credits start after that, to me, is a post-credit scene. But, you know, when you have multiple post-credit scenes, well, they don't want to play them back-to-back, so they'll put one, like, in the middle of the credits and one at the end. So I get it. He didn't say there were no mid-credit scenes, but to me, when you say there's no post-credit scenes, that's saying, well, once the credit starts, the movie's over. But we can tell you guys, when you go to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever, do not get up out of your chair when the credits start. There is still something more to come. But once that happens and the, and the credits continue then you are safe to get up and go home because there is no credits coming at the very, or there is no scene coming up at the very end of the credits. Now, I know some people are going to scream, you're spoiling it. I wanted to find out if there was one. Well, Too whatever, good. you know, cry me a river. So yes, so there you can stick around to watch a mid-credit scene, but once that mid-credit scene is done, you're free to go. I completely get what he's saying though, too. That, you know, at, at the end of, there's certain movies when they end, you, you kind of feel like, yeah, maybe this one doesn't need it at some kind of tag at the end or something like that. I mean, they are still doing with a mid credit scene, but anyway, Rob, you know, this is a highly, highly anticipated film. Do you understand them not wanting to introduce new characters in a post credit scene or have one at the very end of the credits? And what do you think about his rationale? Well, I think it's fine. And uh, you know, I, I stay through the end credits of a movie anyway, because especially this movie, the score and the music is so great. Yeah. I mean, the, the John, you took me to one of my favorite nights ever at the Hollywood Bowl when we saw Wakanda, uh, Black Panther with a live orchestra. Yeah. And Ludwig was, was there. Uh, Ludwig Gorenson was there. It was glorious. It was incredible. 
I love the music for uh, Wakanda for, uh, for Black Panther. I'm sure I'm going to love the music for Wakanda Forever. So if I'm sitting there and the end credits trail off and I'm listening to whatever music they chose, whether it's a piece of uh, music or a source, source cue or a score, I'm sure when it's over, they are using – because even the way they end a movie is important. There's creativity, even though it's just the credits running. Right. The way they string out the music is also a creative choice. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay. It's the end of phase four. You know, it doesn't need to. I think I think they're right that this movie there's a finality to it, and it's the end of a of of a certain story and the beginning of a new one. But if there's a mid credit scene, I don't think anyone's gonna be like, "We got chipped. That was terrible. How come we didn't get what we wanted?" Oh yes, there will. There will absolutely be some people doing that. Well, actually, I, f- I just realized I can't use the G word. That was a, that's that's no longer uh, in favor. I I got robbed. How about that? I was robbed from a credit sequence. But I don't think anybody is going to... I, I mean, I think if the movie's great, nobody... If you're worried about a, a, a final post-credit scene and the movie's great, I think you got what you paid for, right? I mean, I here, here, let me play devil's advocate for a second. I get it because Marvel has conditioned us and trained us as the audience to expect these scenes at the end of their movies. So if there are people going in that are fully 100% expecting those scenes to be there, well, Marvel has nobody to blame for, for that other than themselves. I get that. But I, at the same time, I believe you got to play that on a movie-by-movie movie mm-hmm. basis. Yeah. Because there may be a movie or two that, you know what, maybe it's not appropriate to put one in there. Uh, maybe it's not appropriate to put one here. And and this, you know, if any movie's going to have that, I have a feeling, look, I have not seen the movie yet. I've seen parts, but I haven't seen the movie yet. But I have a feeling that this movie is going to end very emotionally. I do too. And and that's probably the sensation, because filmmakers do think about this. They think about, what is the what is the audience member watching my movie walking out of the theater with? And I think whatever that big emotional conclusion is to this movie, that's what they want people leaving the theater with, even though there's still going to be a mid credit scene, apparently. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this. What's your takeaway from it? I mean, it seems very reasonable for how they want this movie to end and everything and leave you with those closing thoughts and everything. Um, I'm like Rob. I stay till the end. I like to take pictures of the end credits and send them to my friends like for Doctor Strange. It. <laughs> or it was, oh, Kim Grasick, head of makeup. Oh. OK, here you go and send it off because I love that. Um, but I thought you just like to say the copyright notice at the end. <laughs> now, look, this film is protected. No animals were harmed. I'm so happy. Um, but I like to, I like to do that to just let my friends know that I appreciate their behind the scenes work, right? Because I do. All filmmakers, every aspect, every hired hand on a film is very, very important. Um, I'm going to be real honest too. Phase four, and you all know I'm a Marvel girl. The end credits have been almost all meaningless. Yeah. There have been very few where I've gone. I'm so glad I sat here. There have been things where I just go, oh, yeah, that's going to be so-and-so. The end of Doctor Strange well, with Bruce Campbell? That was that was a, such a waste. And I love Bruce Campbell, but it was I just I love uh, Bruce Campbell, too. Oh, the, okay. the best one they've done was Shang-Chi. Like, the best thing they did with their post credit stuff was Shang-Chi. Yeah. Like, that. That that's easy. I also, obviously, Black Adam, but that's DC. That's not Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, anyway, Ray, I know when a movie's over... You are chomping at the bit to leave the theater normally, but 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 when it comes to the post credit stuff, are you one of those guys who likes to sit there and see what's going to happen, or do you like to bolt as soon as the I, credits start? I only stay when you guys say there's something. Right like, there's there's I forgot what movie where we went to and I walked out had no idea that you guys stayed behind and watched the end credit scene because I we didn't even know. stayed behind for Moonfall, dude. Yeah, man. That, but this was a while ago, so like um, I don't know. I 
the end credits for all the Marvel movies to me haven't really impacted me as much as other people. They're just like because what what what's it leading to? Nothing. Yeah. There's no movie right away that you're gonna run into afterwards that uh I swear Ray has some kind of magical mutant power where he can sense when a movie's about to end. Cause like you can be watching a movie and I have no idea this is the ending. But like five seconds before it ends, mm -hmm. you can see Ray will start to grab his wallet, yeah. grab his garbage, start to stand it's up because and grab I am thing. the ender of movies. <laughs> like he just knows it's, it's time to go. It's like a sense thing. He just knows it. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? They're saying there's no post-credit scene, even though there kind of is with the mid-credit. But do you understand the rationale? Do you think, well, if that's the rationale, why have a mid-credit scene? I guess we'll figure that out when we see the movie ourselves. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys, before we continue on, we're gonna take another second and thank another sponsor of our show today, the great folks at Wondery and their new official Rings of Power podcast. Guys, we wanna thank one of the sponsors of this episode, Wondery and their official Lord of the Rings Rings of Power podcast. Your hosts, Felicia Day and several special guests provide an inside look at the groundbreaking series and what it took to bring Middle-earth to life. Each of the episodes of the official podcast features exclusive interviews with the series showrunners, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, including the very first full breakdown of the incredible season finale. Felicia also goes behind the scenes with the cast and crew to bring you jaw-dropping stories and Easter eggs you won't want to miss. So watch The Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app now. And thank you to our friends at Wondery for sponsoring this episode of The John Campus Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So go down to the description of this video and right at the top, you're going to see links to all of our sponsors and the promo codes. And thank you again to Wondery. All right. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? Our fourth topic comes from Box Office Fan. WB meeting has ended and some news like WB still owning the Lord of the Rings theater rights. But the news many are talking about is Zaslav says it's been 13 years since our last Harry Potter main film and he is ready to return to the Wizarding World again, calling out Rowling, telling her he is ready to make another film. We know the original Harry Potter director really wants to make another one also. Will Harry Potter and his kids return or will Rowling say no thanks? And what does this mean for the Fantastic Beasts film? All right, thanks a lot for sending that inbox office fan. Yeah, there was a lot of interesting nuggets that came out of the WB inv investors call, earnings call the other day. So what happened was somebody asked a question about, uh, you know, Harry Potter franchises and things like that. And he answered a question and you could tell he was answering off the top of his head because he gave a couple of incorrect numbers, <laughs> right? Like he said, yeah, the last uh, Superman movie was 13 years ago. Or the Harry Potter was fi or 15 years ago, and the Harry Potter was 13 years ago. Neither of those numbers were accurate, but you got to give him a pass. He was, he was answering a question. I would have got the numbers wrong, too. But one of the big interesting things that I didn't realize was that Warner Brothers still holds the theatrical rights to Lord of the Rings, so they can still make Lord of the Rings movies? That I did not know about before. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But clearly the most interesting thing to me, besides the fact that he's doubling down again, that Superman is an incredibly important character to them. Thank you. Was the whole idea about Harry Potter. And he implies in his statement that they don't consider Fantastic Beasts Harry Potter movies. And that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for legit 
new Harry Potter movies. Now, this comes just from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter who wrote the following. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav is keen to exploit the company's franchises, and that includes the possibility of making more Harry Potter films. If something can be worked out with Arthur J.K. Rowling. We're going to focus on franchises, Zaslav said during an Investor Day call Thursday. We haven't had a Superman movie in 13 years. That isn't quite correct, but I get what he's saying. Uh, we haven't done Harry Potter in 15 years. Again, a little off, but we get what he's saying. The DC movies and the Harry Potter movies provided a lot of profits for Warner Brothers over the past 25 years. The executive went on to note that the studio still has the theatrical rights to Lord of the Rings and went back around the idea of more Harry Potter, noting that he'd like to see more. If we can do something with J.K. on Harry Potter going forward, that, of course, comes with The Hollywood Reporter. Now, the writer in The Hollywood Reporter noted that this wasn't just wishful thinking, because when you're on an actual investor's call, you don't just kind of throw random stock ideas. I mean, this is clearly something they have discussed and talked about. Now, it should also be noted that it's been confirmed that there has been zero development on another Fantastic Beast film. Now, we've talked a lot about the most recent Fantastic Beasts film because while it made, I think, uh, Ray, can you look yeah. up how much money the last Fantastic Beast mill, The sure. Secrets of Dumbledore? I think it was around $400 million. I think it got to the $400 mm -hmm. million mark, which was not enough for it to break even, right? And it was significantly lower than the previous Fantastic Beasts films. And we've seen the Fantastic Beasts films doing this. And the funny thing is, I actually quite like the last Harry Potter. I like The Secrets of Dumbledore. I what, had fun with that. What number were you looking for? The worldwide total box uh, office number it's for... It's $405 million. So, four, so right around that $400 million mark. Not enough for it to break even and a significant step down, despite the fact that I thought it was actually a pretty good movie. But in the question that's come up a lot lately, it's like, do you think they're going to do another one? It doesn't look like it. They have done zero movement, no development on another one, and it's been a little while. But he is clearly very interested in doing more Harry Potter. How realistic is that? Well, on the surface, I would say probably not all that realistic. On the surface. One of the big reasons is, of course, is that, you know, we just heard Daniel Radcliffe, who is Harry Potter, recently talk about why he wouldn't want to be in an MCU movie because he doesn't want to sign up for long-term things anymore. So, I, I mean, there's that. There's been some apparent strife between, I mean, it doesn't look too major, but still it's there between like the cast and J.K. Rowling because of whatever social stances that she has on different things. So there's that. There's the whole thing about, is it cost prohibitive these days? Because if you want to make another Harry Potter movie now yeah. with that Harry Potter cast, guess what? If I'm uh, Emma, I almost said Emma Watson, uh, Emma Watson's manager, and that call comes in, you know what I know? I know they can't do another Harry Potter without my client. I know that. And I know that means I can ask for a lot. If you're Rupert's manager and you like maybe Rupert's getting whatever scale sag at the different shows that he's appearing in now, he's been keeping himself busy. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a Harry Potter movie, you know, they can't do one without my client. Same with Daniel Radcliffe, probably same with some of the other cast members as well. This is not going to be a cheap endeavor. But I got to believe that they're already talking about it publicly in a forum like that, that discussions have already happened. So while my initial thought is this is going to be a difficult thing to do, I'm going to give a hot take here. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. I think before the end of 2024, we are going to hear an announcement that a new Harry Potter movie is coming. Not a Fantastic Beast, not some kind of spinoff, 
I think we are going, whether it's cursed child or something else, I think by the end of 2024, we are going to get an announcement that a new set of Harry Potter movies are coming mm. because uh, Rob, I always say winning cures everything. Money is a close second. <laughs> money is a close second. It's not quite cure everything like winning does, but, but money can be a nice balm, a nice soothing balm to go over the burn, right? It's, and they will back up the dump trucks of Spanish gold. They will do whatever it is that's going to take. So I think by the end of 2024, we will get an announcement. And I will think these folks will come back. Because listen, as much as Dan Radcliffe just talked about, he doesn't want to sign up for things long-term and get a tech. We all saw him on that Harry Potter special, right? This is clearly still the love. He still clearly loves this thing. Of course. So I think it's going to happen. Anyway, Chris, mm -hmm. what stood out to you about Zaslav's comments here? And do you think it's actually possible even? Because I could be way wrong about this, but mm -hmm. that we do get another true Harry Potter film. Well, and it makes sense to me that we're not getting more Fantastic Beasts, frankly, right. because that just has been circling the drain and had problems with cast members. And it makes sense to me that we're going to move on from that one. But when you have two theme parks and so much of your fan base loves this franchise, of course, you're going to try to find ways to really capitalize on that. Right. We love a franchise. It's a, a big boon for our pocketbooks when we have that under our belt. So I totally understand why they want to revisit the world specifically of Harry Potter. Now, even though everyone at that little meet and greet, right, their little reunion, love each other and they had a great time. They did keep bringing up hey, we filmed a lot of this without J.K. Rowling. This interview is from this time before she's made certain comments and things, right? I don't know about Emma Watson being on board with another project with her. I feel like that's going to be a big negotiation issue here. Now, the other thing is, if Daniel Radcliffe doesn't want to do another franchise, I feel like your only move really to keep Harry Potter in the mix is to do The Cursed Child and add, uh, do an adaptation of that for film, which is totally feasible. And then you don't have them as the front and center kids, right? They're the grownups. We're focusing on their children a bit more. And while they have large, juicy roles in that, it's not like they're going to do four movies based on The Cursed Child. I don't think they would, at least. So I feel like this is all feasible. There's just a lot of different things that are going to have to come together for all of those core cast members to come back on board. I wonder about The Cursed Child, though, because I got, I got two thoughts. Number mm -hmm. one, it seems like the general Harry Potter fandom did not love The not Cursed Child. Not in love Child. with it, no. The, uh, the other part is I wonder if there would be a little bit of Star Wars sequel trilogyisms to it where mm. like the people don't want to see Luke and Han and Leia playing backseat to a bunch of new characters. I mean, I love the force awakens, but still, and like I came to a Harry Potter movie to see Harry hey, and Potter. Hermione and, well, and that, and not, you could totally children. do when he's in Aurora, right? When he's actually one of those people who's working right? for the ministry, when Hermione's working to become minister, Jack, uh, you know, you could do a whole bunch of that stuff. That would be really, really interesting. But again, can you do those as one-offs or do you have to entice them? Hey, come back to this franchise. Remember that franchise where you drunk on set as drunk, at, uh, we're drunk on set as a child. Come back, come, <laughs> come back. back to that. <laughs> Rob, what do you think? What could we get more legit Harry Potter movies? I think the only way that we are going to get any more Harry Potter movies is if J.K. Rowling writes a new Harry Potter book first. Mm. I really, I, I look, I think anybody is silly not to do another Harry Potter book. J.K. Rowling has been writing her other series of books under a pen name. I think that if there is another Harry Potter book by solidifying her control over the franchise, the problem is if it becomes a movie-only thing, in a way, like, she has to oversee it and all, I think she would rather plant her flag and go, okay, I'm going to write a new Harry Potter trilogy and you have to adapt what I write. And then she keeps control 
in unto herself, which is what, I mean, they made a great deal with her. A woman named Diane Nelson really was instrumental in getting Warner Brothers locked into the Harry Potter franchise. But I think that J.K. Rowling would want to write a new trilogy of books before they make them into movies. I think J.K. Rowling has probably already been doing that. Let's not forget that the Harry Potter game that's coming out, that Legacy of Hogwarts. I don't know if that that gets really hot. They might... And and what story is that? The J.K. Rowling. Yeah, I think it's a. It's, I it's think it's a, an original thing. Yeah, it's a sandbox. So game, maybe maybe they could do something like that, where it's just like a complete. What do you call those calendars that run Christmas Advent time? Calendars. Advent calendars. Advent calendars. Advent calendars. Advent calendars. Advent calendars. Advent practically has an advent calendar counting down to that Harry Potter That game, game looks Aww. so good. And, and just on something you tagged on there for a second, Rob, I don't doubt it for a second that she's already writing a new series of Harry Potter. I, I And you know what? She's probably been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Because like you said, I mean, is unless, of course, look, true artists, true creative people, we've talked about this around Quentin Tarantino, they have to do something. You know, Tarantino's published his second book. He said he wanted to be an author. He's continued to do that. I don't think, I think that that the idea of these kids growing up and what they become as an adults, as adults, is too enticing for a writer to not jump into that. Especially when we've seen other franchises get messed up by other people. Because she knows that it's eventually one day someone's going to figure out a way to wrest that from her. And I think by she, if she's smart, she would do two new trilogies or more books and take Harry Potter through his entire life, so no one can then do anything to it. If I were, that's what I'd do. All right, guys. Question is for you: What do you think about this? I mean, it looks like Warner Brothers isn't all that interested in the Fantastic Beast series at this point. I get it, I, and I kind of agree. Even though I, I personally would have liked to have seen another one, but I totally get the rationale for not doing it. But they do seem pretty laser focused on wanting more Harry Potter. Do you think it can actually happen? Do you think it would be successful if they did? I think they'd be printing money hand over fist. But whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move into main topic number five. Chris, what is our fifth main topic today? Our fifth topic comes from Boonstag. So there's a rumor going around. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, there's a rumor going around on Reddit, see uh, box office, that the Black that Black Adam has been banned from releasing in China because in a GQ interview with Pierce Brosnan, he is shown wearing a necklace he was given by the Dalai Lama. If this is true, it's likely Black Adam will make less than the 500 million it needs to break even. So again, if this is true, does Hollywood need to abandon trying to release movies in China? And does this mean that Black Adam was a flop? Let me know what you guys think and bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in. Now, it needs to be completely clear, like absolutely completely clear that we have not gotten any legitimate uh, information regarding whether this is true or not uh, at the moment. We, we just don't have that right now. And we are, this is all coming out of a Reddit thread right now. What I've come to understand is that this Reddit person accurately called out when another movie was going to be banned in China, and then the little later the movie the news came out that it was banned in China. So this may I, I want to put this big preface at the beginning. This may be true, it may not be true, but the reports are going around out there that 
Black Adam has been banned in China. Now, of course, it was only near the end of October that word came out that Warner Brothers was able to secure a Chinese release. And that's not an insignificant thing. Because as we talked about before, in China, the Shazam movie made $43 million in China. And right now, with where Black Adam's box office is, 40-something million dollars will absolutely become the difference between Black Adam being a money loser or a profitable money uh, movie for Warner Brothers. So that Chinese release part became pretty significant. Not that, it, not that Black Adam absolutely can't be profitable if it doesn't play in China, but 40 to 50, and listen, Dwayne Johnson's a much bigger international star than Zach Levi is, so 40 to 50, maybe even $60 million is not out of the question. That was going to help a hell of a lot. I would not be surprised to find out this is true because China has been very, what's, what's the best way to put this? China has been very hmm, skittish about, that's the most diplomatic way I know how to put it, skittish about which films they will and will not let in. And they have found a lot of different reasons for banning movies before. And now let's be clear too, China only allows a certain amount of movies to be in there. So just because a movie doesn't play in China doesn't mean it was banned. But according to reports, this movie already got the green light to play in China. And then apparently some people saw Pierce Brosnan doing an interview wearing a medallion that was a symbol of the Dalai Lama, and that's no bueno in, in China. And apparently that got a whole series of dominoes going. It's kind of this. Again, if you believe the report. So let's for a moment, for the sake of this discussion, assume that the report is true, just for the sake of it. If true, this is a very big deal for Black Adam. If Black Adam had made 350 to $400 million after its first two weeks, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But the fact of the matter that, that Black Adam was still sitting at about $250 million after its second full weekend, which is when, by the time a movie makes most of its money, and it needs to make $450 million to break even, I know some people are reporting it needs 500. It doesn't need 500. It needs 450 million. And it needs 450 million to break even, and it's really questionable about whether it'll get there. Rob, that whatever amount of money that could have come out of China, that becomes really, really vital. And so, if this is true, and that's a huge if, it's a big deal. This is a big deal. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this. Number one, what do you think are the, is the credibility of the report? Do you think this is actually true? And then, if it's true. Uh, how significant or not significant do you think it is? Well, I think that, like you point out, they are skittish about certain things. And Chinese social media, if this is true, Chinese social media, especially the people on Chinese social media, will be all over it. They'll blow this up. We'll hear a lot about it. News reports will come out. If it isn't true or if they don't care or if it's not affecting anything, we won't hear about it. But the netizens in China are very good at coming out en force en masse to make sure the world knows how they feel. And so I haven't heard anything to that effect now, uh, nor have we heard anything out of Warner Brothers, whether it's going to be banned or not. Um, but there's definitely the possibility. I mean, they get, you know, that's, that's right out of the Chinese playbook. And it would be affecting to Black Adam because 43 million is on the lower end of what you would expect, I think, from a Dwayne Johnson, a big budget Dwayne Johnson movie. I haven't looked at what the Chinese box office was in, in his previous films. But it, it, it's a big deal. And like you said, Black Adam is a movie that's teetering on, I mean, they have more plans for Black Adam, but 
you know, money talks. And mm-hmm. it would be unfortunate, I think, if they don't get to make another one. But we'll see. But I don't think that – I think there there is smoke here. There is smoke here. Chris, if this is indeed true, if mm-hmm. it is, uh, is this a big deal for Black? Could, could it make the difference about whether we see another Black Adam or not? Or is it a minor road bump? I don't know. How do you see it? I think this is a huge deal. They needed this money. They needed to recoup. Because no matter what their plans are with Dwayne Johnson – this movie needs to be profitable. Yeah. You know, Zaslav's axe swings and it swings heavily. And even though they've got a great working relationship, this is still a business. And at the end of the day, the films have to be lucrative, right? I am surprised that there's such a heavy, you know, subscriber base of GQ um, checking <laughs> these things out. And for anyone who's like, why would this matter? You know, the, the Chinese government has an issue with the Dalai Lama just because they think that the Dalai Lama is constantly campaigning for Tibetan freedom. They have a very big issue with separatism in the nation. So that's why this could be an issue. And they found far less things to take conflict with within films. So I can absolutely seeing this be a reason why they go, no, we're not allowing this in our country because of that one actor look at john cena having to go apologize oh yeah yes yeah it it can be for just an actor who's involved with it did one thing yeah any kind of slight could affect this so yeah it could be and you know here's an interesting thing to keep in mind too the dwayne johnson black adam film which run remind everybody i had a lot of fun at I, i i enjoyed i had a good time with it but it's not one of this warner brothers movies right right so it, I don't know that it's necessarily precious to them. I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, they got a Dwayne The Rock Johnson potential franchise. And it oh, is, they want to make money. Of course, they want to make money. They want it to be successful. They gave the green light. They gave their blessing to let Henry Cavill come back, uh, be in the post credit scene. They absolutely want to make money. But, you know, it's not one of their kids. This, this was of the previous regime's movie. And so they may not feel real precious about it. On the pro side, though, even if it does end up losing a bit of money, like if it does end up being a money loser, I don't think it's going to lose a lot. I think it'll make enough that that the losses will be mitigatable, let's say. But if it does end up losing money, there is an argument to me saying, look, people had a lot of fun with the movie and they are more likely to come back. And maybe the, the word is spread. Like if we make another one and maybe even make it a little bit better, that the next one will have a much better shot at being profitable. So, so there's arguments to be made on both sides, I guess. Yeah. But it could be significant. Questions for you guys. First of all, what did you think of Black Adam? Did you just think it was stupid or did you think it was, yeah, it's stupid, but it's really fun. <laughs> How do you guys feel about it? Do you think a Chinese ban, number one, do you think that's real? Do you think we're going to find out that's legitimate? Maybe not. But if it is, do you think it's going to have a major, major impact on how Black Adam does and maybe even the future of Black Adam in the DCU? Whatever you guys think, Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we're now going to open up the Super Chats and spend the next bit of our show just taking your comments and questions. So if you've got a thought, theory, or opinion you want to fire in, go ahead and do that now. But before we get to those questions, we're going to take a second and thank the main sponsor of our show today, Ryan Reynolds and his own, my cell phone service providing company, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. I'm just kidding. There isn't one. Mint Mobile just has premium wireless from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find all these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel and be charged full price for. With my old wireless provider, every month when I opened the bill, it was like playing roulette. I never knew 
knew how big the bill was going to be and it always seemed to get bigger. With Mint Mobile, it's totally different. I know exactly how little I'm paying every month and there's never any surprises. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint Mobile, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And guys, you get to use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So transferring over couldn't be easier. So to get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. You'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. No kidding, guys. I signed up for Mint Mobile. My bill is like less than a third of what it used to be. The service has been great. You owe it to yourself to absolutely go and check out their deals. Make sure you use that promo code as well. All right. With that down, let's now move over and start taking your live questions that you guys have been firing in. The Super Chats are going to be closed here any second now. So, Chris, what do we got? Uh, first from Sam Fisher. Or wait. Yeah, Sam, Sam Fisher. Who adjusts the placement of you all in frames? Is it you, Jonathan? It's it is, Jonathan. It's me. I suck at it. <laughs> Moving around. Let's party. <laughs> yes, Jonathan controls uh, the whole. Hey, listen, it's, there's a lot. There's seven cameras. There's NDI sources. There's six microphones. And then there's, there's Rob. Then there's Rob, who's constantly who moving. And yeah. that, there's a lot of moving pieces. <laughs> this is why I really wanted somebody else to do it. Because you remember, I used to do what Jonathan does. Mm -hmm. So I used to have to do all that and try to host the show. It, it was crazy. But Jonathan does an amazing job staying on mm -hmm. top of all that. All right, what's next? From Andy. Thanks, Jonathan, for suggesting to check out the WBD's quarterly report before buying their stocks a few months ago. Because their stocks are taking a big drop. Well. Yeah, and like I, I mentioned before, I believe they're going to continue to drop. Mm -hmm. They're going to continue to drop, then they will level out, and then they will start to build again. Listen, I, I said this before, when you, have, when you have a patient that's as critically wounded as Warner Brothers was under AT&T, and you've got a hell of a lot of stuff to fix, you can't fix it with a Band-Aid. You got to take a scalpel. You got to cut into the patient and you got to do things that aren't pretty and you got to do things that aren't pleasant. You got to do that if you want the thing to heal and recover and come back bigger and better and stronger. So I still don't think, and, and I'm no Wall Street uh, analyst or advisor, so don't take my word for it, but I would still not buy Warner Brothers stock right now because I think it's going to drop a little bit more because I believe they have more damage to fix. And then once all that happens, then they can start to build again. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, could Feige bring in Tarantino for a special presentation project? Maybe something like Ghost Rider, uh, World War Hulk, Wolverine, or maybe something else? Nope. Doesn't sound like no, it. No, no, no. Kevin Feige's not bringing anybody in who doesn't know how to play by his rules. And, 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 I, and I, hey, listen, that's why Marvel is the most successful film series of all time. So I don't blame him, him at all. And I don't blame a guy like Quentin Tarantino at all who's like, I'm accustomed to doing things a certain way. And I have other options than that. So I don't blame either of them, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. All right, what's next? From Ron H, one of two, episode 810 of my One Piece journey. <laughs> Left a city atop a thousand-year-old giant elephant, now on candy islands ruled by a soul-sucking big mom and an army of her kids. I found it. It just gave me a second. Yeah, all right. Do, 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 do. There it is. There are, uh, there's a forced marriage onto the cruise cook whose family has a clone army and Power Rangers team. Action, tears, in-laws. One Piece has it all. Wow. 
Yeah, mm. just the more people explain One Piece to me, which I know next to nothing about, the less intrigued I am to watch it. It is not going to be your jam because it's just so much. There's so much stuff. <laughs> there's, there's so there's much. A lot. a lot. It's just a lot. And you're going to go, okay. Yeah, it does not sound like uh, like my cup of tea, per se. Have you ever checked out One Piece? I have not. All right. Yeah, another you I think would love it. <laughs> I, you know, that's not true. I I've, I've watched I've watched one episode okay. of it, but I watched one episode with somebody talking the whole time. Okay, and it was it was shown to me, and I didn't watch it. Mm. I'm sorry. So I mean, I watched review, it, but I was like listening to their commentary. <laughs> and I, so I don't I don't count that I've seen One Piece. All right, what's next? From Attack of the Mushi, idea for a game. Guess the movie using various quotes from said film. Each hint is a new quote. Start at six, points go down from every wrong answer. Jonathan would murder at that game. Yeah, yeah Jonathan would be like really good there. Oh. You know what? That's not a bad idea. Instead of a straight up password, it's just a quote, quote one line. And then if you don't get the movie that goes to the next person, I quote another line. That's that's not bad. I will keep that. In, we'll just call it quotes. I would the game lose even harder. Quotes. I like it. That's a, good, that's a good idea for a game. All right, what's next? From Vader Voice Will Live On, Solo flopped at the box office. Disney then said they weren't doing Star Wars films like that anymore. Isn't this the problem? Without episode 10, this very uh, hesitant? I'm not quite sure what it is, Vader. Without episode 10, they very hesitant. I'm not sure. Um, Look, yes, Solo flopped. And then they came back with another movie that made a billion dollars. Um, but, but solo, look, I, I said from the day, all the way, I think this is going all the way back to the AMC days, the day they announced the solo movie, I was like, cool, but really I Harrison Ford is currently on screen as Han Solo right now. This isn't a passing of the torch sort of thing. He's on screen as Han Solo right now. We just had him. I, it was such an unnecessary thing. But they said they didn't want to go back and tell these stories again. I remember when we covered them saying that. I was like, hell yeah. I'm tired of let's go and tell the the old story of uh, young Yoda. Now the story of young Jabba. Now the story of young this. I'm over it. Of young Tatooine. Like the thing about Andor was the reason why Andor to me was always the exception. Like when they announced Andor, I'm like, okay, I'm on board with this because it's telling the story of an entire side of the rebellion that has never been touched on before. And the empire. And the empire. But, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, yeah. At the time it was just about a whole new side of the, of the rebellion that no Star Wars movie or project ever really looked at. And for that reason, I was always been okay with the idea of Andor. But these whole things about that is like, yeah, get rid of them. Move on to episode 10, new characters, new dangers, you know, new corners of the galaxy to explore. Uh, Yeah, bring it on. All right, what's next? From Jay Bling, I rolled my eyes over the reason China wouldn't show Spider-Man No Way Home. Good thing that movie didn't need China. I, what was their reason? I can't remember. No idea. Yeah, I have no idea what it was either. But yeah, I mean, that was a great example of that movie didn't need China. Now- a lot of movies do, but yeah, that one did. I mean, they they also don't like oh, depictions of sorcery. Statue of Liberty. What's the, that? It was the Statue of oh. Liberty. Oh, right, right. The oh, battle. really? Yeah, that was it, the battle at the end. But China's also, they also object to things like sorcery and depictions of religion. So I can see that that the, the origins of Black Adam could be problematic and Dr. Fate as well. Mm-hmm. All right. What's, but they say Dr. Fate is alien, so maybe they get away with that. All right, what's next? From Bond Presents, I bet the mid-credit scene for Wakanda Forever will be a tribute uh, 
BTS are behind the scenes for Chadwick, which is why it doesn't affect the story like a normal post credit scene would. I don't, do, I do not believe that's what it is. I don't either. Yeah. Uh, I, I have not been told exactly what it is because I didn't want to know, but it, it sounds like it is a post credit scene. It, it doesn't sound, I don't think it's something like that. That's what I've heard. But I don't, I don't know that for sure. I didn't see it myself yet. So who knows? All right. What's next? From Stubble McShave, over under 8% Harry is recast in Harry Potter. Would fans accept it? Ooh. No. No. They should. They should totally accept it. Another actor can step in and play a role. But no. The audience, the, the, the Harry Potter hardcores would not accept it. So I don't think they can do that. Any, any disagreement on that? No, oh, people would yeah. freak out. Not, not when the actors are still young and virile. Yeah, and doing their thing. Yeah, no. Plus, I have to tell you, John... I like the idea. I would love to see a Harry Potter movie set when they're in their 30s. I do too. I would I would be very I, I think to see it, it is ripe for exploration and I and you know do a trilogy and then in 25 years do another trilogy when they're in their 60s. Why not? All right, what's next? From Matt Boyle. Hey Robin Chris. Hey. Did you know in Ireland there's a redhead festival where every redhead in the world goes to? Robin Chris, you better get plane tickets for next festival. Why would I go? <laughs> no, Chris is the one who's in defeat. You keep uh, forgetting that. She's the one who's in defeat. No, no. <laughs> People are into her feet. People are into mine. And stop it. Why would I go with Rob Chris on that trip? And Rob, your script. See, I'm a brunette, and I'd just be his weird wing woman who'd be like, have you met Rob? No, no, no. Here's the problem. If I were to go to a redhead festival like that at the same place that is known for the whiskey God, I am make, so afraid of what you're going to say. No, I'm just going to say uh, it would not be good. Okay. Because between the drinking and the redheads, there's nothing good that would come out Was of it. Was it called Fire Festival? That didn't go so well. Fire Festival. <laughs> uh, all I can say is those two things for me, redhead, lots of redheads and lots of whiskey and booze and Guinness and Kilkenny, the cream of Ireland. Mm. All right. What's next? Not going on that trip. Sean, one piece film red projected to make 14 to 16 million this weekend and may upset Black Adam's third weekend. Anime films continuing to do great. They really are. Uh, no, listen, they they do. These anime films get these released. There's a core audience for them that go and support them. I mean, these movies are never going to make, you know, $75 million opening weekend. But listen, I think these are solid numbers. I mean, if that can come out and make that kind of money, I think that's great for it. And as far as Black Adam, Black Adam's going to be in its third weekend. And if it can't compete with a film making $15 million, then guess what? It wasn't going to do great anyway. Right. So, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. All right, what's next? From Brandon, uh, Brendan Clark. What is Christopher Lord teasing on his social pages? Is this Back to the Future related? I don't. I don't follow him on Twitter. I don't yeah. look at celebrities' social media, so I don't really know. I mean, there's like four or five of them I follow, but I have. Sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about. Unfortunately. All right, what's next? From Andy again. I like seeing Duran and Elrond on my screen. I guess you can say that I keep wa kept watching over Duran's son, just like Ed Sheeran told me to. You know, the problem is, Andy, you got to know the song to get the joke. Uh, that's that's an uh, first of all, one of the best end credit uh, or the best songs from a movie ever is Ed Sheeran's I See Fire. That that song is haunting and beautiful and it tells the story of the movie and lyrically it's beautiful and it's absolutely stunning. And then it keep watching over during suns. It's beautiful. Oh. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But the problem is, Andy, most people don't yeah. know the lyrics of the song. Also, Ed Sheeran, Redhead. There you go. There you go. Yep. Ginger. All came around. All right, what's next? 
James Wheeler, who sends in a twenty dollars super Thank chat. You, Thank you, James. I just rewatched In Bruges again. Ray Fiennes was also so good in it. Oh, he's so menacing in it. Ray, listen. I I know everybody. Whenever I say this, I get dozens of messages saying, "No, John, this actor is." I stand by it. Ray Fiennes is the greatest actor in the world that does not have an Academy Award right now. I think he's the best. Uh, and that's just it. I'm right there with you, dude. You know what? I'm a guy that can watch The English Patient all day, every day because of Ray Fiennes. Mm-hmm. He can be in The English Patient and he can be Voldemort. I, I mean, and he can do anything. He's Acting. amazing. Lenny Nero in Strange Days. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes. All right. What's next? From Harv's K. I wish the prequels Clone Wars explored a bit more of how and why the Empire's ideology spread. These fascists and sociopaths in Andor did not just come out of nowhere when Palps declared himself emperor. All you got to do is look at what's going on in America, ladies uh, and gentlemen. I mean, we're watching you, Andor take place yeah, on a daily yeah, basis. I, I mean, uh, you you don't have to look far yeah. to, to see. And I feel like if they did do an exploration into that, it would just be, this is so woke and this is just not even nuanced. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Just, you know. All right, what's next? (laughs) From Simon Blakemore. Hi, John and crew. I hope you are having a good day. I was wondering, did you watch Tales of the Jedi? I thought the Count Dooku story was really good. (sighs) Okay, so I did finally sit down and watch all of uh, Tales of the Jedi. Hang on, let me get your wet blanket. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Again, nothing new. It's all, here's characters we already know. And let's do something about them. Now, I will say the Dooku story was interesting and and i liked it i i every minute that i watched the 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 count dooku one i was interested and i was into it and i enjoyed it but i was ultimately unsatisfied with it Mm. i ultimately was like because it was so short and it's like they introduced an idea but they never they never really went into the idea right so i was like i really enjoyed what i saw but ultimately felt unsatisfied I didn't think the Ahsoka stuff was all that good either. And that had nothing to do with the fact that traditionally I don't really like the Ahsoka character that much. I just, I thought the Dooku stories were better stories, um, but ultimately a little unsatisfying. Mm. Like, and I don't know why, because what was the name of the other short uh, Star Wars shorts animation one called? Visions. Again? Visions. Visions were very short, but they just told them in such a way that they were their own contained stories. Whereas they were introduced, like for instance, I thought it was a big missed opportunity as you see the first Dooku one when he's got young Qui-Gon, which, boy, did they make him look like young Qui-Gon. That was great. But you see where they're going. Half the stuff they're doing, I'm not interested in this. I'm interested in, after the assassination of the one Jedi, how does Palpatine approach him? Like, that. that's kind of the one I was interested in. So there were all these big gaps that were left that made me just go, you know, at the length of these things, it just... It couldn't satisfy me that much. So some really she interesting said, stuff in it, but left me left me feeling wanting. You know what I mean? It, let it sizzle. <laughs> anyway, there's that. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher. With the Sandman renewal, the question now becomes, when will Morpheus man me a sand? I don't understand the reference. I, mean, I, I don't either. All right. Is that a song title? Uh, man me a sand. Mr. Sandman, man yeah, me a, a it's sand. It's a Nickelback tune. Yeah. Man me the sand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You really get really down there, huh? With those vocals. You really reach down. down Never deep. man that was a sand. Like you're a demon. <laughs> All right, what's next? Shand. From Eldon Goblin. Did you know? 
plain Greek yogurt tastes just like sour cream. Oh, this God. means you can use it as a substitute for your mozzarella sticks. Oh, Get out of here. Yeah. How dare you? You're banished. I think plain Greek yogurt has the texture of sour cream. I, I do not believe it has the taste of sour cream. I mean, you cream. can sub it out when you're trying to be a little healthier. I guess you could. But also, I don't want to put either of those things on my mozzarella stick. It's so good. No. The world has spoken, Chris. If it's that is what you, you serve on Wednesday, I will lose my mind. <laughs> I will flip every table in your home that's and be all, like, no. That's all big catering of a thousand mozzarella sticks and two quarts of of uh, sour cream that's it uh, and you'll like it oh, i'm gonna make such a weird long darth vader no when i see that meal you know what i'm not even gonna have them separate i'm gonna have them in the same bowl oh god so you don't even have the like option. cereal yeah exactly it's mozzarella stick cereal with sour cream oh, instead of milk <laughs> you and don't even have the option to take the mozzarella stick on its own stick oh, through no. it with a mint <laughs> Like bobbing it's, the, it's the one yeah. mozzarella stick, and in the sour cream, bind them. Oh, <laughs> That's no. right. You know how many bars will have like a two drink minimum? Yeah. It's like to enter the house, you have to have a two mozzarella stick minimum. You have to eat minimum two. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just love it. it in my pocket all night. And your eyes will be opened. All right. What's I'm just going to fart a bunch in your house. <laughs> Quality not included. You do that already. That's true. <laughs> Game day. Weird Al dropped today. Oh, is it out? Oh, did Weird come out today? Guys, after oh. the show is done, cancel whatever you had planned. Figure no. out how download, TV works. And... Download the Roku app on whatever device you use. It's a free movie. Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I, I, I was so nervous going to watch. I'm, I'm wearing, I'm doing my best uh, Weird Al today. Wearing my white and nerdy sweater. Um, I was so nervous that it would disappoint me the way that Joe Coy's Easter Sunday disappointed me. But it crushes it. It's so funny. It's so fun. Shout out to Joe Coy. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Joe Coy. In a bad way. <laughs> um, but yeah, go it. Make sure you watch Weird and Alley But Daniel Ratcliffe is so freaking good in it. Anyway, go check that out. All right, what's next? From Shakori Robertson, what would this team rather make? A movie that outgrosses Avatar or wins more Oscars than Return Gross. Avatar? Money, money, money. Outgrosses Avatar. Money, please. Yep. Yep. Because yeah. then we can make another movie that wins an Oscar. Yep. Then we yeah. we can make our Oscar winner later. Like, a, so what did Oscar? What did Avatar? What's Avatar at now? What two point five? Is it two point five billion? Yeah, 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 yeah. All, it, any disappointment I have about not having the most Oscar wins, I'll I'll buy myself yeah. some something to get me over it. You can go to Hollywood Boulevard and buy yourself an Oscar. I'll buy That's myself. A, I'll buy myself five stars on the Walk of Fame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like oh, we'll do our big God. blockbuster, and then we'll do our art indie film of Pickle My Foot. Starring uh, yes. Ray Ora. Exactly. Oh, yeah. All right. After Perfect. the documentary, of course. Yes. After the documentary. Yeah. What's next? From Jay, if given an opportunity to remake or reboot one of these properties, which one would you pick and why? Budget not an issue. Gremlins, Short Circuit, or Flash Gordon? Short Circuit. I, I, th I don't think a short circuit concept works today. I know, but... That AI and all that kind of stuff is so popular. I think Gremlins, a reboot of Gremlins has the best chances Probably, of success yeah. today. Yeah. When you when you really look at cute creatures, mm -hmm. look at how popular Baby Yoda Grogu. Like, really good, creepy, <laughs> kind of fun horror. That can be very, very successful. Mm -hmm. Short Circuit today, I don't think works. And what was the last it's one? Like robots Flash Gordon, Flash which Gordon. is what I would take. And Flash Gordon, which is, there have been many variations of Flash Gordon. And I don't know that Flash Gordon works today. Hey, but, I know well, people but what about me, a but... short circuit with a newer, like, ro robotic stuff that we have? Like that Megan. So it's an iPad? Like, but like, but you we got Megan. You want Johnny yeah. Five to and, twerk? And even the, the Child's Play remake right, was right. was of a, a, a robot that became self-aware. Mm. I mean, we just had so much of that. I just don't know that it works as well today. All right, what's next? 
From Magic K, latest news is Black Adam isn't banned but postponed. Black Adam can still release in China but won't get much money because they would likely release in December when Black Adam hits HBO. All right. That's I, again, I we have read nothing that confirmed anything about anything. Of course, the biggest problem that Black Adam's going to face, even if it gets a release in China, is the fact that there are a lot of COVID restrictions going on right now. In that's China the real as problem. Well. So that's probably going to limit it as well. So it'll be interesting to see once the major trades start writing about this, what the where the truth actually lies. So we'll find out. Anyway, thanks for the update on that. All right. What's next? From Mr. Hank Dunn. Can't believe how good my Buffalo Sabres are right now. Um, Buffaloes with knives? Uh, yes, that's exactly okay. what it is. It's cool. this dangerous gang roaming the streets awesome. of Buffalo right now. I'd go to that. You got it, Chris. Uh, man, I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, tell you what. I used to be, I used to love the Buffalo Sabres because, I mean, I used to go, the reality is growing up where I grew up, it was not easy to see a Toronto Maple Leafs hockey game because it's always sold out and it's the scalp tickets at the time. There was no Vivid Seats uh, or SeatGeek.com at the time. I mean, it was real bloody expensive to try to go. So a cheaper alternative was to drive 65 minutes, go over the border, go into Buffalo and go watch a Sabres game. And uh, so I went to a good number of Sabres games Mm. and all that. And uh, I've been waiting for them to really get back to real prominence again. It's been a while, but I hope they do well this year. All right. What's next? Suppose you could see the Leafs, right? If they were playing them. Are they in the same league? Are they the same? Yes, they are both in the NHL. Okay, so, so you I could, would, I, you could, yeah, we would go. But the problem was too that wherever Toronto went, that would sell out too. Right. So, to, oh, so that's yeah. why when they come to LA, that's why last weekend I went to go see them twice. Like I went to see them play the Kings and the Ducks because it's like I never get a chance to watch them. Yeah. So yeah, pretty good. All right, what's next? From Suthius. Bless you. Don't love the Rush Hour trilogy, but I love the pairing of Chan and Tucker. Many laughs with their interactions. One of the best comedic duos, in my opinion. See, I didn't think their pairing was very good at all, except for in Rush Hour 2. For some some reason, their chemistry and their dynamic in Rush Hour 2 clicked. And you had uh, Zhang Ziyi was in that one as well. Love her. Like, for whatever reason, it's almost like it fell out of the multiverse, that movie. Because I do not like one. I didn't hate one. I didn't hate number one. I hated three. Mm-hmm. And then... Some multiverse spit out, oh, in another universe, they also made a thing, but it was really good. Mm-hmm. And that was Rush Hour 2. And I love that. Do you guys have any feelings on the Rush Hour series? I love the two of them together, but I also love Chris Tucker so much. And Jackie Chan is a flawless human being. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't love him, but I liked him. I enjoyed him. I enjoyed all three of those movies. How did you feel about his pairing with Owen Wilson? I, I liked the first one. And then when it was the Knights, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, Shanghai yeah. Noon. Again, that's a great sequel story. Shanghai Noon, mm-hmm. fabulous. The one that introduced me to, to Owen Wilson, I thought they were great together. So Shanghai Knights was going to be an automatic win, right? Yeah, not so much. That was too bad. Princess PP. All right, what's next? From Bond Presents. <laughs> Never thought this show would single-handedly be responsible for Sony greenlighting a Morbius 2. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, we might. What be. have you done? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Like it's it's just the Morbius minute is going to change pop culture. Yeah, you know, people are going to realize just, uh, Jared Leto's career is going to become yep. way bigger now. And people it's, are going to know who he is. Uh-huh. Yeah, crazy. this unknown kid, Jared Leto. It's going to be this show. The Morbius minute is going to change everything. We wow. should get him to come on afterwards to do a minute long interview with us. The format oh, is going to be a hit. They're going to be like, we need to release release this movie in one minute intervals. That's right. With, with your audio commentary. This is going to be on the reboot of Quibi too. Uh-huh. 
going to be great. Four quibbies. All right, what's next? Zach Marcello. I would kill for a new Harry Potter series. Praying this happens and that it releases soon. Yeah, I don't expect it well, don't anytime kill. soon, yeah, but no I, killing. I, I really do believe by That's 2024. That's how you build core cruxes. And you know what? I think Robbie could be honest. I think she's already working on a series of books. I mean, oh, yeah. this is all speculation, of course. That she's working on a series of books. Those get done. Then HBO or uh, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery say, we're making movies out of these, ladies and gentlemen. I would, I would love it, but it's going to take a lot of money. All right, what's next? From Andy, the CW is canceling all their superhero shows left and right. Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, Flash, Stargirl, and even Riverdale. Yes, it counts. Um, here's the thing. Legends of Tomorrow, frankly, that's a show that could have been canceled a long time ago. <laughs> let's, let's just call it what it is. Flash, that was a show that is living past its expiration date already. That's a show that probably should have stopped. Hey, listen, I will always look back at the Flash show fondly. I think overall it was a really good show but it should have been canceled a couple of years ago. Stargirl never had much of an audience. It was never able to attract that much. Look, newsflash, television network, not wanting to spend money on shows don't, that don't make them money anymore. I, I, I mean, it's, yeah, they're canceling up because they need to be canceled. It's time for a lot of them and some of them just don't generate any interest, unfortunately. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher. Oh, shoot, we forgot to tell Tom Sandman was renewed. Sends Raven. Huh? Well. All right. What's next? <laughs> I have no idea what's what happening here. <laughs> uh, CJ Rebirth. Chris, have you seen any of the four kids uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show? For me, that's the best series and is sometimes darker like the comics. Also has the best shredder. Which one is the four kids one? I, yeah, I have no is idea. Is that the newest one that came out? The, that one was on Nickelodeon. I really like that one. Is four kids a production company? I believe so. Sounds like some obscure streaming network. It sounds like a kid's bop. Yeah. Yeah. Four kids, that. TMT. Um, I, right. I don't know. I'll have to double check. Probably. What's next? Corey R. Hey, crew. I just went to see Spirited Away in theaters. Wow. It's nice. my favorite Ghibli film. So I had a blast. Do you have a favorite Ghibli movie and why? Or Ghibli, Chris? excuse me. Ooh, um, Spirited Away. I actually, I really, really adore Ponyo. No one else seems to like that one. It's cute. It's cute. Ponyo, Ponyo. She's a little fish. She's ramen. I like her. I like Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, oh, I mean that's that's, that's been one. My wife is really into Totoro, mm -hmm. so but uh, like yeah, for me it's Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, but I like Princess Mononoke too. Yep, this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that he just the previous guy just mentioned looks mm -hmm. really cool. Can you text me an image, Ray? Yeah. Thank you. All right. What's next? From Jermaine King. John, I want to praise you for being a great boss. Huh? No nothing but the <laughs> smile on your employees' faces more than half days and leaving early. It's true. Well, then I need to tighten the grip around here. <laughs> Too many smiles. That means things are out of balance. The more you tighten your grip, Campia, the more employees slip through your fingers. So when I was doing the uh, I was doing the Ask Me Anything open mic yesterday, mm -hmm. people would say, oh, why did you sign? I said, well, you know. There, there, there was only this to do, and I figured, ah, give everybody else the half day off. I've been doing that too many, too much lately. I'm going to have to start coming up with things for you guys to do. You start scrubbing the walls or something like that. I'll come what? up with some projects. Painting. I'll what? come up with projects. All right, what's no. next? From Chris Douglas. John, I once asked what you admired about Rob. You said his extensive knowledge and passion for film history. Rob. What do you admire about John? Oh, my God. This, this is, is like unfair that he has to answer that in front of me. No, no, no. I'll tell you something. I admire what John has built. I mean, John has been, first of all, he's very upfront. He's very honest in terms of what he expects of you. Uh, he's created this business that has thrived. I've now streamed with him since 2018. 
and I've watched this channel grow. It's expanded to three times it was when I started. And look at the people that I'm surrounded with. How many people, let me ask you all, how many people have as much fun in the workplace as we do? Come on, you're all supposed to chime in. Uh, yeah. No, nobody. I, I have a, I, one <laughs> I have of the reasons fun. I like coming to, to work every day is because how fun this is. Actually, you want to bring wow, up- Wow, that was convincing. <laughs> Oh, Jeez, sorry. we're supposed to like, come on, man. And no, sorry, I was kind of half talking. This is the image that oh, Ray then yes. was sending out. I like oh, the image. That's really good. cool. Looks good. Then yes, I'm that aware of that one. I, uh, listen, if somebody tells me they actually make a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that is true to the original comics. Oh, you're talking about the bloody. Yeah, the bloody yeah. black the and white. The, the black and white Daredevil ones. shared origin Blood comics. in, blood out, Ninja Turtles. You do that, I will get it. I will get on board. <laughs> I'll get on board. All right, what's next? Don't we get to talk about you more? Oh, we've talked about me enough. Oh, man. All right. From Connie Day. Hi, Connie. Connie. Rob, I look forward to our drink and discussion on Eminem, oh, Martyrs, oh. and Manifest. Wow, okay. Ooh. Uh, first of all, John, I don't know if you've watched the great Manifest recap that Netflix has dropped in uh, oh anticipation of season four. People are anticipating it? <laughs> There's a season four? No, I'm excited for you. Okay. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And then I, uh, Connie has watched Martyrs, the great French horror film that Oh, I can't wait to hear what... I mean, I look at Connie as sometimes... Uh, she's she's a very smart girl, but I think she's also like a flower that I've polluted and destroyed. And, wow. And, and, and what do you call it when you take the head off of a rose and it dies? You know? Oh, wow. I made her watch My Martyrs. Life? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you survive, Connie. Don't blame me. All right. What's next? From Al Renshaw. When are we getting cook-off between Ray and Chris? That's what we can do oh, on a Friday. No, there's a bigger problem that just happened. I... Do you need help, Chris? Is there some therapy? No, I meant oh, that. Okay. <laughs> Fakui-san, who will win and what will they be making today? I still, I, I don't know why you, what you just said remind me of this. I still remember when I was first discovering Iron Chef. That's what it was. It was yep. Fakui-san. Yeah. Iron Chef, I, when they had kitchen stain, I don't know if any of you guys have watched Iron Chef, but if you had, I still remember one of the first ones I ever saw and you're hearing the commentators, right? Which is clearly still being dubbed. But it's like, what is Chef Morimoto doing with the saucier pan. And, and why is he well, he's putting the mushrooms in it? We don't understand. And then all of a sudden, when they realized he was making a sauce. No, 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 a glaze. He was making a glaze, right? And I still remember, like, it, it was like Joe Montana just threw a touchdown, a Super Bowl winning touchdown and goes, and so, but what is he doing? Is it, it's a glaze! <laughs> Chef Morimoto has made a glaze! He's a player! And I'm like, I don't know what this show is, but He's I got to watch more of it. It's so this good. Amazing. Oh. was like, what is this? Uh, <laughs> it's a glaze. Let's not forget William Shatter. Uh, all right. Ray, Ray and I will cook off at some point. Yeah. Um, Henry of Montanui. Uh, Titan season four was awesome. Excited for the rest. I doubt that. It looks good. <laughs> it looked wow. good. Isn't Titus, Titus Welliver's brother blood, right? Come on. I, and by the way, if you like, that's awesome. I celebrate that. I'm giving you a hard time. I, I wanted to like Titans. I did. I, I watched the first season. And I first, because the opening scene in Titans season one, the opening scene, I went, that's my hometown. It was Hamilton, Ontario. I went and looked it up. It's like, yep, they shot in Hamilton, Ontario. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to love this show. I didn't love the show. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, I, I gave, I tapped out of it after season one. It's like, just this just isn't any good. But, you know, if maybe seasons two or three got better. I, I'm not sure. But I, it's, it's hard to define how little interest I have in watching it again, <laughs> unfortunately. All right. What's next? From Carlos Lima. Hey, campers. Just finished She-Hulk. And I'm a bit confused how Kevin Feige lit this mess of a story. For why, Chris? For why, Carlos? Because it was fun. Okay. 
It was fun. It was a sitcom. I enjoyed it. And not everything is made for everyone. I had a nice time. I can, I can tell you why he greenlit it. Because the concept's great. Yeah. The, the concept's great. The structure was fine. The At the end of the day, for me, and you've heard me say it a million times, the problem with She-Elk just wasn't funny. If, if they had done this show the exact same way, same characters, same setup of every show, same themes and all that kind of stuff, but the jokes worked and the jokes made me laugh through the thing and, and made me have a good time, the show would have been a big hit. I mean, for me, it would have been a big hit for me, but it just wasn't funny. And with a lot of things in scripts, Rob, we've been talking a lot lately about, hey, it's one thing to look at a script. It's another thing to look at it on the screen. Uh, you just sometimes you just won't know that if it's going to comedically hit or not until you shoot it until it's in there. And at the end of the day, that's probably why they greenlit it. It was a great idea. And I'm, I'm open to see more of her character show up again, but yeah. I'd go even further, John. It had all of these great elements. It had great actors. It had great effects. Yep. The writing let it down. And that goes back to the comedic Yeah, it, they just it. were not funny. Anyway. All right, what's next? From Elden Goblin, they don't need to remake Mario Brothers. 1993 version was perfect. What? Don't <laughs> F with perfection. Also, the Goombas from that movie are the cutest thing ever. In what world? What world are they the cutest thing ever? (laughs) I I have a feeling that's a troll. I I hope so. Being a little uh, Rickroll troll there. Yeah, I don't know that anybody in the world actually believes that. But hey, listen, if you really feel that way about it, awesome. Somebody's got to appreciate it. And if it's you, that's great. Those Goombas are somebody's kink. We don't share the same opinion. That's okay. All right, what's next? From Seconds for Disaster, Hoogler said in an interview, Dr. Doom was never part of the plan. He didn't want to take away from Wakanda's story. Much respect for that. There you go. I remember when the when the stuff about Doom first came up. Like one of the first things I said was, "But why? Why? Like what? What's the point in there? I mean, it absolutely would a world leader be at maybe T'Challa's funeral? Yeah, that that could make sense. Uh, if you know the history, of the comics, sure. But this is the MCU, not the comics. Now, once the I think it was Variety that had that one article where the writer was spe- granted the. Writer for Variety was not saying Dr. Doom is in this movie. They were speculating about why he could be in it. His logic appealed to me. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that does make sense if they did this and this. But I don't think anybody should be surprised Dr. Doom's not in this movie. No. No. I mean, I, I would. it would have been interesting. I mean, I always thought that would be cool with the geopolitical situation. But they don't. obviously, there's, they didn't have to do that. When does the official embargo drop? When did the reviews Like for the full hit? reviews? Yeah. I got to imagine it's probably Monday. Yeah, that's would what be I my guess. Really curious to read some deep dive reviews. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, could we get a David Tennant and Michael Sheen cameo as Carly and Aziraphale in Sandman Two, or are those characters tied up in rights issues? Well, they belong to Neil. I mean, Neil and um, Amazon. Um, well, no, mm-hmm. the, but it's the they wrote the Puma, Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett is mm-hmm. not not with us, but I don't think that they he would do that. I don't think he'd cross over. And they're doing season two of Good Omens anyway, which is just Neil, obviously. Right. And I mean, I could see, look, with the season of Mist, you never know who'll show up in the background. That's true. We could have him just walking by. Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> That'd be cute. All right. Yeah, what's next? So. From Mythertab 2, Chris and Rob, what's the lowdown on the Spanish dub of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio definitive version? Rooting for Ewan hasn't had a win since Big Fish. Do you know the lowdown on the Spanish dub? Because I do not. I have no, I, yeah. I don't either. No habla espanol. Mi espanol es muy mal. Yeah. All right. What's next? 
Richard Lyons. Did you see Zaslav having the balls to recast one of the Harry Potter trio if one of them says they will absolutely not come back? And do you think there's any way people would go absolutely rabid if he did? Well, I mean, look, it'll come down to a couple of things. If, and I think this will divide Harry Potter fans. Let's say there is a theoretical scenario where everything's ready to go on a new Harry Potter movie, except Emma Watson. Do you, and, and, and hey, look, all, listen, she's not obligated to do anything. If she, if she chose in this theoretical scenario to not do Harry Potter, she's totally within her rights to do that, and nobody should give her a hard time about it, mm -hmm. if that's the case. But if you have this $200 million endeavor with billions with a B of fans around the world and hundreds of other creatives and people and ca other cast members are willing to do it and ready to go. Do you allow one hired hand performer to undermine and sabotage the entire endeavor? My reaction to that is no. And I think if a lot of Harry Potter fans understood that we have two options. Like, we're not choosing not to have Emma Watson. She's saying she just doesn't want to do a period. So, as a Harry Potter fan community, we have two options. Do you want more Harry Potter stories with the other cast back and all that kind of stuff, or do you not? And I think there will be, while every Harry Potter fan will hate the idea of Emma Watson not being in it, mm -hmm. I also think the majority of Harry Potter fans would want more Harry Potter movies. Yeah, and if it's her decision, right, or whoever decides to not come back, if this is a thing... That's a different story than them not offering her a role, right? Yeah. It's not like the Independence Day sequel where they're like, screw you, Mae Whitman, you're not the president's daughter anymore, and we never even asked you. Dodged a bullet, May. But still, like, if she goes, oh, this is not for me, and I don't want to be a part of this, then yeah, move forward. Yeah, do you, like, do, really, do you sabotage an entire project with thousands of people involved and hundreds of millions of dollars not because one person doesn't want to do it? Mm. I, I mean, it's a big <laughs> thing. It's a big one. Like, if it's Emma Watson, I mean, we haven't even talked about what if it's Daniel Radcliffe. I don't know that you can without Daniel Radcliffe. But, I, I mean, for any of them else, I, I think you bite the bullet and you say, you know what? This franchise is bigger than any one actor. And we think there's a hunger for more of it, and we're going to make another one move forward. I mean, listen, it's not going to be an easy decision, but that's what I would do. What I mean, not to be at? mean, but you could just age them up 10 years and recast all three of them. You could. Mm -hmm. I mean, if one of them, I, it would have to be some collective. Because, look, a movie, you can't. I could see the cast holding them up for a ton of money where it gets to the point sure, where but that's a different, a different thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. But if they needed to do that, they could say you wanted to tell a story in your thirties, make the story in the late forties and recast all three of them. No problem. Because I don't think people, you just go, well, the story's about them being, but a you know older. what the audience won't accept. What the audience won't accept is if Emma Watson, Rupert, Daniel get on social media and say, Hey, we wanted to be in the new Harry Potter movie. Well, yeah, they, yeah. they just, they didn't <laughs> want to, they, they refused to pay us. Uh, what mm -hmm. we thought we were worth. And so, hey, Harry Potter fans, we wanted to be in the movie. The Harry Potter fan base would oh, completely yeah. no. revolt. No, it would be, I don't think they could even announce, uh, I don't think they could even announce anything like this unless it was already cast. Like, they'd have to go make deals way beforehand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? From Never Met... <laughs> Never made it as a wise man. Watch the new Selena Gomez doc on Apple TV, and it was hard to watch. As someone who admired her growing up, it was hard for me to watch. I've heard it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, me too. Now, she 
She's the one in uh, Murders in the Building, right? Yeah. Right. Right. And she's the one who dated uh, Bieber. Yes. For right. the longest yeah. Time. And she was a, she started on Wizardly, Wizards of Waverly Place is like her big break, a Disney uh, Channel show. Oh. I had a chance to uh, chat and eat and t- chat over a donut with Selena Gomez once. I went to the, I was at the Sony lot. They were doing a press thing for, uh, what's the one with Adam Sandler, the Monsters uh, animation. Oh, Transylvania. Uh, oh, Hotel Transylvania. Yeah, Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. It was a Hotel Transylvania thing. Charming, delightful girl. Like, really, I, I didn't even know there was a documentary about her life mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah, it yeah. just dropped. She also has a cooking show on HBO. All right, what's She's next? Jeans. Hey, everyone. Have you seen the Red Band trailer for the upcoming comedy, The Machine? It stars Brett Chrysler and Mark Hamill. Uh, I saw this I, I saw the other day. I saw you posted, but I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't you know, see it either. I watched it, and I'm like, is this real? It's real. Uh, it's real. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, did somebody make this? I, I, and, and I think the director tweeted to me the trailer. And I wasn't familiar. I'm like, I looked at it and I couldn't. It looks like a legit film, but I'm like, what is this? I don't I don't know anything. Because I have another movie called The Machine in my collection that's yeah, not Then there's this. The Machinist, which is a totally different movie. Yeah, I have movie. that too. But apparently it's like, uh, it's it's a movie based on a, sto- a true story that is Brett's like main joke that he tells in all of his comedy shows yes. or something. Like, it's about being a, a fake Russian mobster, basically. Okay, that's right. That's yeah, right. when he but studied I, abroad. I don't really know anything about it. And though. the trail looked pretty good. All right, what's next? From uh, Jedediah Elias. Morbius minute announcement almost made me choke on my breakfast. <laughs> Ray Ora is truly one of the funniest people on the entire planet. Facts. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah. I'm telling you, it's people, look, I already know I have been getting some emails from uh, uh, Ryan Coogler's reps, James Cameron's reps. They're yeah. they're all very concerned that we're going to be taking attention away from like Wakanda Forever and Avatar Two because the Morbius minute is it's 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 like humanity seeing the first man walk on the moon. It's right? just right? like that. It's, it's just like that. It's a right? transcendence. It's yeah. a, it's, it transcends our regular pop cultural experiences. The importance of this movie. <laughs> It has to be worked into my minute, opinion. Minute opinions <laughs> in one minute, man. It, I mean, yeah, it's it's gonna redefine everything. Yeah. People on the left and the right coming have together. To reschedule the Super Bowl. Rescheduling the <laughs> Super Bowl. I think we should actually make an, uh, a coffee table book that we crowdfund, and each page is is one of the one minutes. of the Morbius minutes. Yeah, we just have what Ray says, and then on the flip side, it'll be the still, the best still. From but that then Quentin minute. Tarantino is gonna get all upset that his book isn't selling because Ray's. Eating up all the book charts and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see what yeah, happens. We have to do with it. All right. Anyway, is that it? That's it. Yay. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the Super Chats. Number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campy Show, thank you guys so much for your support. Don't forget, we've got an open mic coming up a little bit later this afternoon. Keep your eyes open for that. Also, make sure you come on back on Monday for a new week of the John Campia Show. We hope to see you guys there. Guys, if you're still here, click that thumbs up button, support the channel. It's just a good way of getting our shows out to a wider audience as well. So, for Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, the wonderful Chris Carr, your Morbius Minute Maven, <laughs> oh, with the, his sentry there, uh-huh. Ray Ora, running the show, Jonathan Voico and Taylor Gomez over there. My name's John Campy, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.